You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of Keeping Up with the Krakens, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is your host, Tyler Bell, located in the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And once again, I am joined by my very good friend, Alec Durham. How are you doing today, Alec? What's new? Oh, not doing too bad, Ty. Thanks. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing not too, too bad. Uh, no complaints, no complaints. How's uh, life in uh, southwestern Ontario treating you? Actually, really good the last couple days, and apparently going into next week, weather's supposed to be real nice, you know, sunny, double-digit degrees if we're lucky. That's pretty good. That's not too bad, not too bad. We, uh, we're getting some pretty good weather out here too, but it looks like next week that's finally going to end, and we're going to be in the, the highs of maybe two, three degrees throughout the day. And then other than that, it's going to be in the negative. So, which I can't complain about either, right? Because that just means pond hockey is on its way and I'm freaking pumped for that. Yeah, I got to get the extra set of wheels out for that. Don't want to carve up both sets. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, I only have one set out here. So I just, you know, (laughs) end up having to carve them up. But you know what? Take them to town, get them sharpened, and yeah, they'll be feeling almost as good as new. And uh, yeah, just getting into this episode here, uh, just going to preview what we have in store for everyone today. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the last week's games, so going over uh, the Halloween game versus the Rangers, and then of course Edmonton and the recent game against Buffalo. Uh, then we'll be taking a look at tonight's game versus Arizona, looking at that matchup. And then, of course, uh, there's a few more games next week against Vegas, Anaheim, and Minnesota a week from today. So that'll be pretty exciting. Talk about some of that. We got some good NHL news to discuss as well, including some uh, a big trade to talk about, a big signing, some captaincy uh, announcements, and... Uh, that's about it. So maybe I'll toss you in the deep end after all of that's completed as well. So uh, why don't we just kick things off and get into the game against the Rangers? So yeah, just going over some pregame notes heading into this one. Grubauer obviously got the start. 
And before the game, we uh, seen an announcement of McCann not being in the lineup because he was put into COVID protocol. So uh, unfortunately, McCann wasn't going to be part of this game. And then, of course, McCormick gets a chance to be in the lineup uh, placed on the fourth line because Appleton left last game with an injury and he's ever since been on the IR. So, yeah, this was the last game of the homestand to start the season. So you're looking for a, a pretty big win here heading in uh, to a, a tough game tomorrow night. But, you know, it was a bit of a rough start for Seattle to start this game off in the first period as Kreider sniped one over the glove of Grubauer to make it a one nothing lead early on. And the Rangers kind of came uh, came out flying in the gates in this one, didn't they? Yeah, they certainly came out quick. And I mean, as a shooter, you got to love those goals where you're the only guy in the rink who knows it went in. I mean, everyone else, it takes a couple of seconds. Even Grubauer follows the puck over to the wall a little bit. And he's, yeah. Kreider's just skating around like, suck it. Back by yeah. out. <laughs> weren't even sure, or people weren't even sure if that one went in. That was a quite the shot by Kreider and, you know, hitting the back bar there and the way it flies out. Sometimes you just don't know these days. And you've been seeing that more often, it seems, uh, with some of these elite NHL shots coming in. Uh, they have to kind of review some of those plays, not knowing if they went in or not. But Kreider knew for sure that one went in with the way he celebrated after scoring that goal. And yeah, after that, Geeky with a nice look in tight. Rangers come all the way uh, the other way down off a done turnover um, at the blue line. And then once again, it's Kreider who finds a nice breakaway opportunity looking for his second of the game, but a big stop by Grubauer. And he doesn't let that, uh, that one get past him and let this game slip away early. So uh, that's a huge save for Grubauer early on. And both teams continued to swap good looks back and forth for the remainder of the period. And you could almost feel like a goal was coming from the Kraken at the end of this one, but it would end with the Rangers being up one zip and shots favoring the Kraken 9-8 after the first. So going into the second period, uh, the first penalty of the game is taken by Tanev for a cross check. And I don't think this is any bit of a shocker, but they killed it off, uh, only giving up one shot. And immediately after, they get their first look on the power play of the game. And it was a bit of a new look on the power play that we've seen, right? Yeah, you had Geeky up on the top unit there in McCann's spot. And, you know, you had Schwartz, puts, Schwartz pushed back to the second unit. I mean, it looked good in terms of puck movement and getting things to the net. But, you know, same recipe for disaster here. They can't buy a goal. Yeah, and you could tell they're trying to switch some things up because, you know, it's been a quite the struggle on the power play, uh, especially as of late. So, you know, trying to shake things up, trying to move things around, get some different looks, get some different bodies on it. But, uh, you know, they still wouldn't buy a goal in this one either. So, you know, Schwartz with a great look out front, but he gets robbed by Shesterkin's blocker. And talk about a guy too, who has just been snake bitten. I know last pod, I predicted that this game would end 4-3 for the Kraken and that he would pot his first two goals of the season. Not looking quite like that was going to happen, you know, in, in this game. So, you know, that's a dash one on my part. And if I remember correctly, you did predict a, a 3-2 Rangers win. Did you not? I did, but uh, you know what they say about close, right? Only counts yeah. in horseshoes and hand grenades. That's true, right? So it, it was close, but uh, 
You know who has scored as of late? Eberly. And that man scored an absolutely disgusting goal in this one uh, to tie this game up. He had one of the nicer goals you probably might see this season with that no-look, backhand, spin-around, top-shelf move. And that's a very tough shot to pull off uh, as a player, isn't it? Yeah, I was just racking my brain trying to think of the last time I saw someone do something like that. And the only thing I could think of would be Malkin against Edmonton a couple years ago doing it off the rush there, just spun around off the D and wired a backhand top shelf. And I mean, I've missed a little bit of hockey compared to what I used to watch back in the day in the last couple of years, but I can't think of anyone else and that's done it until Everly now. No, I can't either. And like you said, Malkin's a guy who's, who's had some very, very sick backhand goals in his career. And he's, you know, made a habit of scoring goals like that. The only other one I could think of is uh, the one where Giroux scored, uh, where he was almost in a falling, uh, he was kind of falling down as he shot it off. And that was like a backhand. uh, And he found the complete corner on that one. But yeah, just an absolute filthy goal on Eberle's part. And he gets this thing back tied. And then, yeah, before the period ends, there's a bit of a flurry of penalties that take, took place and the Kraken would find themselves bouncing between a power play, then four and four. And the Rangers, of course, took another penalty and put them back on the power play. And yet they would get some quality looks, but no, the rubber wasn't making any friends with Mash on, on tonight's game. So uh, unfortunately they wouldn't score from that opportunity. But, you know, after two, the Kraken were favored in shots, 22 to 10. And they did look like the dominant team in that second period. And they outshot the Rangers 13 to two just in that period alone. So, you know, a tie game going into the third, but they definitely look like the better team in this one. Yeah, it's certainly the answer you want in the second period there, coming back and just dominating, bringing it back to a tie game. I mean, you know you're playing a hell of a goalie at the other end in Chester, and they're a guy who's probably going to contend for the Vesma going forward just because New York looks like they've built a real solid team. They're good young players coming up through and strong guys who are established in the league. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what you'd want is 13-2 in the shots there. Keep that going into the third. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And, you know, they would get another power play with about 14 minutes left in the third. But, uh, you know, they spent basically the whole time in New York zone throwing pucks on net and making plays. And uh, this team just cannot buy a power play goal, even if they had all the money to do so right now. And, yeah, got to give credit to Shesterkin on that in, in this game because, you know, he's been lights out and, you know, he's really good at, reacting quickly to shots and he doesn't get caught out of position on many plays. He's such a steady goaltender in there, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, like I just said, he's a guy who's probably going to contend for the Vesna going forward. I know, I know I might have a couple bucks on him for this season. So oh, unfortunate that he had to cross paths so with Seattle here, but that's just the way it's got to be though. Right. Uh, and you got to play your hot goalie when he's hot. Right. So, and that's exactly what shesterkin has been. So, you know, he's definitely been impressive to watch uh, and a very, you know, he's making his way into elite status pretty quickly here. And, you know, unfortunately, Adam Fox would seal this game with a goal in the third, assisted by Panarin on, on a nice play on that goal as well. And then followed up by an eventual empty netter by Barkley Goodrow. And there you have it, a 3-1 final in this one. 
And yeah, what's your thought on this game? I mean, hard to fault the team on this loss. They played such a great game, but ultimately it's their lack of finish on their opportunities that cost them this game. I mean, you can't be almost tripling the other team in shots and getting tripled in goals. I don't care if one of them's empty net or really, you can say it was a two, one game. Sure. But whatever, those are the games you got to try and find a way to win. I mean, mm-hmm. it might've not been Gru's best game. There was a few shots there that went off the post where he didn't move or didn't see it coming. And, you know, you don't want to be beat clean when you're paying a goalie six mil, but he's allowed to have a bad night here and there, just not two in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. And like you said, it, it was a, it was a really good effort from Seattle, but sometimes that's just the way hockey games go. Right. Like they, they outshot him 32 to 18 in this game. And I think that was a season low for shots against as well with 18 shots. So um, they definitely did almost everything they could to come away with a win. But like, you know, like you said, you you gotta, you gotta make best of your opportunities. And um, if they are able to ever score another power play goal, that's the difference in a game like this. So, you know, a tough game to lose, especially when you have to go the next night again and you fly to cold ass Edmonton and you're taking on one of the hottest teams in the league right now. So um, just a couple pregame notes heading into that one. Obviously, McCann was still out of the lineup. Uh, he's dealing with his COVID protocol. Um, so that's about the only update we had on him. And Carson Soucy made his way back into the lineup as they took Flurry out of this one. So a bit of an interesting move right there. But uh, they have eight Steady D who they've been throwing in and out of for this lineup. So uh, you got to keep everybody engaged and everybody playing. And, you know, it makes sense on a back-to-back to do that. So, and as well, Joy Decord gets the start in this game. Uh, and what a tough way to get put into a game when you're you're up against the number one offensive team in the league, right? Yeah, I think there's a three or a phrase called uh, being thrown to the wolves. This I might apply. There is. Yeah, and that's pretty much exactly what you're doing with Joey Dak. I actually thought he would start the game against the Rangers. And they would go with Grubauer in this game, but that wasn't the case. They they rode their hot goalie Grubauer and decided, like you said, throw Joy Dak into the Wolves, throw him into the Wolves in this one. So, and then of course, Edmonton gets off to an early start in this one as Barry throws a hard pass to Drysital, who's about 15 feet wide of the net, and Drysital intentionally lets the puck deflect off his skate, or what it looked like intentionally. Uh, and that goes towards the net and finds a way to sneak under Joy Dak. So a tough break for him early on because uh, that's just a really hard play to read. That puck wasn't going anywhere towards the net on that shot. But, you know, it takes a funky uh, deflection. And just like that, uh, you got a one nothing lead and you're down early on in this one. I'm of the firm belief that that was 100% intentional. Some 200 IQ shit there from 29. He knows the D's stepping up to take his stick and stick lift him. So as the pass is coming in, I don't even think the D's made contact yet, but he starts adjusting his foot. You can see it on the camera angle from behind Seattle's net there. And he just turns it so that it hits and goes towards the net. And Oh, that's just some smart stuff, knowing the D's going to be taking his stick. So he doesn't even bother trying to fight down for it. Just prepares for what's coming after that 
Yeah, no, I think it was intentional too. And, you know, the way he, like you said, adjusted his skate even before that puck was, you know, right by him there. And, you know, you could kind of tell that that was his game plan all along was let that go off his skate and hope it found the back of the net. And it did. So that's a, that's a pretty tough one to stop for Joy Dak. You don't expect that to be finding your way or finding its way into the net uh, with a shot that's going that wide, right? No, certainly not. You don't know how to react to that sometimes or you don't catch it in time. Mm-hmm. But wasn't all bad because the Kraken would tie this game right after with a goal from Schwartz. So Schwartz. about time. Yeah, Schwartz finally on the board. I know uh, I think we've kind of been harassing him the last pot or, or two and him and Everly and talking about how these guys need to step up and start contributing for this game and being the leaders that they were brought in to be. And bam, just like that, he finally finds, finds a goal, throws that monkey off his back. And it was a great individual effort as he went in one-on-one against a big body Darnell Nurse, was able to kind of walk around him with a nice nice couple fakes back and forth, and he tucked it five-hole on Koskinen. So it was a beauty, and it was great to see him uh, finally find the back of the net there. Yeah, he looked like he was fired out of a cannon to start this game. Oh, yeah, he was. He was bringing it this game. And not long after the Schwartz goal, the Kraken captain takes a holding penalty, and this Edmonton team is going to make you pay almost every time it feels when you take a penalty against him. And of course, who else but Dreisaitl scores off a beautiful pass from Hyman, a bit of like a two-on-one rush there, and the Oilers take the lead right back. And then, yeah, I don't know if you caught it or not, but a couple minutes after that, it, one of the weirdest plays I think I've seen uh, where Dunn and Hopkins are are standing together beside the net and their skates get lodged together from their laces and they're just stuck there and the ref notices it so he calls the play dead. But yeah, it was, it was really, really funny to see. I don't think I've ever seen that. Um, I can't remember which player it was, but uh, the loop of their lace went over the back heel of the skate and they were just tangled up. and, and No way. Yeah, so it was a funny play to see, and I just had to note that because I, I don't think I've ever seen that in a hockey game. So funny, funny little thing there, but worth mentioning. Yeah, you see something and, every day. Yeah, exactly. That's why you got to love hockey. And then, yeah, a couple nice plays from Tanev, too, early on. He was throwing some big hits. He had a huge hit on Dem- Devin Shore, and then he made a real nice play against McDavid, tying him up in the corner and, and not – allowing him to get loose and, and do McJesus things as you know, he, he definitely does in this league and has been. And yeah, he showed that again last night. So, Oh yeah, that was, that was an insane goal, dude. Insane. That was a, I remember. Yeah. Last, but last night. Yeah. I was gaming and had the game on, on the laptop. And I remember just looking over and seeing him dangle through the four, rangers players and i think i screamed out loud just because of how nasty it was so yeah just mcjesus doing mcjesus things so that's somebody tried telling me today that it wasn't even you know that great of a goal because everyone's calling it a one-on-four and it was really just a one-on-one and the other defenders were kind of just lunging out at pucks and i was like buddy don't pretend like anybody else on the planet can cross the blue line with four defenders in front of him all inside the dots. 
go inside those four and score. Yeah, and make it look relatively easy. And not only that, uh, you pr pretty much go through five because he beat the shit out of Shesterkin. Had a Ouch. wide open net to put it away. So, you know, I get we were just pumping Shesterkin's tires, but then again, it's it's McDavid it's scoring on you. Yeah. And and then, you know, Edmonton, of course, they've been a bit of a wagon. So give them give them credit there for sure. Yeah, back into this game though. Yarncrock. Yeah, might have called it. Back in this one, Yarncrock takes a high stick to the face. And the Kraken get their first look on the power play with a minute 41 left in the first. But Oilers were showing why they're such a good team. And one thing you don't really hear about Edmonton is the fact that, you know, going into this game, their penalty kill was ranked third in the league. Um, so maybe a bit overlooked, but, you know, that's a pretty good stat for a team like Edmonton, who's just known more for their offense right now. But, uh, you know, that, that stat alone speaks for itself and how good they've been defensively so far this year. Yeah, top three penalty kills, pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, very, very good. So credit to them. They've added some guys who are definitely helping in that area, um, you know, include Hyman into that. He, he just does it all, right? And, yeah, he's just a workhorse out there. And then, yeah, back into this one again. You know, in the opening minutes of the second period, the only strike again. And, of course, you know, who else but McDavid and Dreisaitl work in the – Working some magic in the Kraken zone, and the puck eventually finds Duncan Keith, who's a bit alone in front on the far post, and he taps it in, and and just like that, the Oilers are up early again uh, with a three-one lead. Yeah, Seattle immediately get immediately uh, immediately Jesus Murphy immediately <laughs> gets another power play chance after the goal, but you know Seattle power play chalk that one up as a zero. That's not going in the net. Now 0 for 15 in their last 15 power plays. <laughs> I don't think that stretches back. Games. Yeah, stretches back four straight games, which that's a terrible stretch, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you got you got to think you just hit one off someone's ass and in. Get a Doug Glatt goal. Yeah. All right, we're going to put simple. three of you here and everybody else is shooting the damn thing. Exactly. You got to find a way to score one. Keep it simple. Get bodies to the net. Throw everything on net. And they would get a third power play right after, after Pulley gets sent to the box for a trip. And between the last two power plays, they had a total of six shots on net, which is quite well. But they decide to extend that streak and make it oh for their last 16. So um, just like we were talking we're about. Going yeah, streaking. why not? Going streaking. So not what I meant. Damn it, guys. <laughs> yeah, get your heads out of the gutter. <laughs> but uh, Wenberg would get a nice chance too late in the third with a slick play in tight uh, as he tried to kind of tuck it around Koskinen. Uh, but he would find some twine and it would stay out. And I believe that was two posts in the game at that point for the Kraken. So, you know, definitely all over Edmonton and at this point, it was just looking like one of those games again where they're outplaying Edmonton, but uh, Edmonton are making the most of their opportunities and they have two of the best players in the world on their team who uh, seem to be able to create offense any way they want to. So, you know, that's that sucks, but at the end of the day, you still have to score some goals. And with under two minutes to play, 
Uh, Nathan Bastian breaks in and finds Susie coming in late. Uh, very nice uh, vision from Bastian there to find him, and Susie rips one top shelf to score a pretty huge goal and get his team back in this game heading into the third there. How amped did he look too, eh? Guy getting back into the lineup just wires one. Friggy had to be going 100 miles an hour right up the middle of the ice. He wanted it. Oh, he wanted it bad. And, you know, that's one thing this team has been doing better as of late is activating their defensemen on the rush. And he was absolutely wide open and he made no mistake. And he just ripped that one top shelf. So, you, like you said, huge goal for him, especially when uh, you're being inserted back into the lineup and you're making the most out of the opportunity, right? And yeah, that would pretty much end the period there. Like Oilers had a bit of a push on the power play in the final seconds and Decord did come up with some pretty big saves to keep it a one goal game heading into the third. Uh, and then looking at the shots, like cracking up 12 or 20 to 12 after two. So like we were just talking about, they looked like the better team up until this point and things kind of, were a bit different in the third period to say the least, you know, they managed to kill off. Yeah. They managed to kill off the remainder of that penalty, which, you know, usually is a big boost. Um, And then shortly after Eberle gets a stopped on a chance, uh, you know, in all alone on a breakaway. And then next thing you know, the puck goes the other way and it's the Oilers bearing a tap in in front from uh, Cal Turris who potted his first of the season and Edmonton get their two goal lead back. That's kind of soft D from the two guys out front too. They're just puck watching. Uh, I think it was Drysidel had it in the corner, which is obviously a guy that can mesmerize you a little bit. But you both can't get caught watching the same guy who's nowhere close to you either when Turris is just open behind you on the back post. No, you certainly can't. And it was just a, a it was a tough night too for Decord. At this point, it was the fourth goal against him on fifteen shots. Uh, so. You know, obviously not the type of night he wanted to have, uh, you know, heading into Edmonton and and facing a team like this. So definitely hasn't been a good night for him and and a tough one. So, and then, yeah, it was pretty much a little too late because Yamamoto would seal this game with seven and a half minutes left. uh, And he had a nice opportunity from a feed from Dry's Idol and he he potted at five hole and opened up Joey right up. And, just like that, dries idle with the apple on the play, and that would be his fourth point of the night, right? So the All-Stars are taking over. Yeah, you managed to shut one down, and the other one just pops off for a few, and the next game you decide to shut him down. And, oh, would you look at that? McDavid's got six points. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And tough couple losses for the Kraken back-to-back, especially when you feel like you probably deserved at least a win out of that you know, out shooting your opponents, outplaying your opponents for, you know, four to five of those periods, you could pretty much argue, but, you know, you walk away with two losses in regulation. It, uh, it's a bit of a shitty way to go about it, right? Yeah, you'd like to come away with two points at least. To have zero is, that's that's a shitty feeling. Mm-hmm. But they would get another crack later on in the week as they would uh, take on the Buffalo Sabres for the very first time. And Buffalo? Did something happen with them recently? Was yeah. There a reason for them to be excited for this game? Yeah, it's technically it would be the first game 
uh, post Eichel era. You know, even though he hasn't been in the lineup for the season, but still, oh, it's a new chapter. Look. Yeah, it's a it's a new chapter in Buffalo Sabers land. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely touch into that Eichel trade in a bit um, because it is big news and uh, it's an interesting trade to say the least. But yeah, five minutes into this game, Seattle is on the PK. Uh, but it's Tanev who found the best scoring chance on a nifty breakaway, but he kind of lost the handle on the backhand there and you know, wasn't able to put it away, but a uh, very nice look for Tanev. And they were able to keep that pressure going and drew a, pen- a nice penalty there for what you know feels like the thousandth, thousandth time in a row that the boys just can't score on a power play. Did so, you just forfeit them? seriously just can we trade three in for a penalty shot instead that would probably be a good way to go about it at this point because uh, i believe that would bring them to like oh for 17 on their current streak and yeah looking real bad (laughs) but yeah how about the big rig in this first period uh that's jamie alexiak he was throwing a couple big hits and then he had a nice fight as well He's just out there making things happen all over the ice. And yeah, talk about talk about Jamie Alexiak for a second here. Let's get into get into this guy. What's your what's your thoughts on his play so far? Well, he's a guy who I mean, everyone kind of started slow, so I can't just say he's a guy who kind of started slow. But as the season progressed in the last I'd say five or six games, I really started to like his game. He's getting a little more active in the rush. You could see it a couple of times. There's a couple games ago, I forget who they were playing, to be honest. But as the replay would go by, you'd they'd show and you'd be like, who's that big motherfucker crashing the other team's net? And you'd be like, that's big rig, Jamie Alexiak, just trucking down the ice there. And then yeah. all of a sudden, he'd be <laughs> the first guy back too, shutting down the other teams in the house. And it's nice to see him finally progress into that role, you know, being a former first round pick that everyone thought he was going to be. Yeah. Glad he found he... it in Seattle. Yeah, he he's definitely finding his game as of late. He's looking like a a legit top four defenseman, and like you said, active all over the ice. And you know, there's times where he's getting caught uh, in front of the net there, making plays happen too. Like for a big guy, what is he six seven two thirty five two forty maybe? Like he's he's a big boy, right? He could skate, yeah, and, and he's he's got really nice hands for a guy him his size. So. I know he had that one dangle goal in Dallas a couple of years back too, where he w- came in and walked a guy. And yeah, he's actually he he's quite a player. So you know, this is a this is a guy who is going to be part of this organization organization for years to come. And I love Alexiak's game and everything he he brings. So to see him out there engaged, making huge hits, and you know, fighting guys. Uh, and getting on the score sheet as well and getting a lot of assists as of late. It's good to see out of the big rig and, you know, looking forward to what he brings throughout the season. And yeah, jumping back into the first period of this one, uh, we would get the, the Kraken would get another power play look. Shocker, right? Yeah. Forfeit, throw it away because yeah, you guessed it. They were over two. So, but just seconds after that expired, it was Geeky who scored his first goal and first point in the last 10 games. So talk about another guy who, you know, is throwing the monkey off the back here. Um, you know, and maybe it's Geeky's turn to 
you know, break away from an ugly streak he had. And maybe we could see where he could pop off and, and start to find the back of the net on a consistent level. Because, you know, I still think Geeky's got a lot more offense in his game and we just haven't seen it on a consistent level that so far this season. Yeah, he had a real strong preseason and good start to the season. Absolute laser that he wired that, what was it, first game against Vegas? Yeah, first game against Vegas. That was uh, just an, an unreal snipe. But yeah. but, yeah, like you said, like I, I still think there's a lot more offense left in Geeky's game, so hopefully scoring that one uh, kind of gets his confidence back up. And he did get a... a an opportunity to play with uh, Eberle and Donato in this game as well. So that's a line that could definitely create some good offense going forward. I actually liked the way that line played in this game quite a bit. So, you know, hopefully that's going to help him uh, stay out of those bad streaks and and maybe create some good streaks. Good streaks. uh, Everyone likes those. Nobody likes a bad streak. No. And I got to give Wenberg some credit on that goal too. It was uh Really nice vision from him to throw that pass across the slot and right into Geeky's wheelhouse, you know, for the one-time clap bomb up top. And, you know, that would be the first goal in this one. And Dunn picking up his fourth assist of the season on the play as well. And, yeah, that would be the only goal in this period, despite an impressive period for the Kraken, who started off a little slow in the first couple minutes. And after that, they pretty much dominated Buffalo for the most part. and. Yeah, it was Geeky who had the goal, and he had three shots in that period alone. The boys were buzzing. They're gonna come out. They came out of that period with a one-goal lead and a fourteen-six shot advantage. See, that's what you want to see now. We're starting to get the shot advantage on teams. We're putting a lot more pressure to them, and we're scoring goals. Yeah, that's one thing that's turned around from the first five, six games. I'd say about four or five games of the season. We were getting out shot pretty badly. And these last few games, it's it's been a complete turnaround and shot advantage. Um, and consistently, consistently through almost all periods of play where they're starting to outshoot their opponents. So this team's just looking more and more comfortable with each other as we go on. So, you know, expect better, uh, better outcomes going forward, I think, out of this team. And then, yeah, to start off the second, uh, Seattle would start off by picking up, you know, exactly where they left off in Buffalo's end, drawing another power play. Um, and, you know, the streak of no power play Geno stayed alive because oh, nothing really happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because they didn't really create much in that one, unfortunately. And then, you know, shortly after it ends, Tage Thompson skates through the middle, relatively untouched. And, you know, over the blue line on what looks like a relatively harmless play. And he throws a low wrister on Grubauer and finds a hole. So tough one to give up. But just like that, it was a 1-1 game. Yeah, you'd kind of hope someone would close the gap there and step up on him in the middle. I mean, you got three or four guys back. Someone's got to step up and close the lane there. Yeah, yeah, you can't let somebody walk through untouched and let a goal like that go in. So a bit of a defensive breakdown for sure. But you know, at, at least it was a one-one game, right? It wasn't a, a way to, you know, it wasn't the the winner or, or nothing like that. But like you said, bad one to give up. <clears throat> and then, yeah, yet another power play would come and go. And you know, Wenberg had a nice look, but that's pretty much all it was on that advantage. 
And then you could tell kind of after that Buffalo started to get their chances. And I think they were just starting to build some momentum off of all those penalty kills. And it would be Buffalo who would get another, who would get their power play chance as well with 350 remaining in the second and a Pozo going upstairs on what looked like a pretty deeply screened Grubauer. Um, so uh, they would find the back of the net there and relatively nice shot for a Pozo. Got to give him credit. Pretty nice shot on Grubauer there. Yeah. Shades of his Islander days there. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. But it wouldn't matter too, too much because right after that, um, it would be the geeky line pressing in deep and it would be Eberly out front who buries another unreal snipe, you know, left alone all out front, out front to pop that one over Tukarski's shoulder and this guy is on a bit of a heater and got to say, I love it. Love to see it. Get hot, stay hot, baby. Mm-hmm, exactly. And that would be the only goal scoring in the second. Um, and another cracking game where, you know, they find themselves with a commanding lead in shots. And the shots were 30 to 11 after just two periods. So uh, they've been so impressive lately and have been all over the opponents in these last stretch of games uh, where they've just dominated their opponents in scoring chances. So you got to love to see that. But again, it was just a one goal lead, right? Um, And then right at the end of this period too, a bit of rough stuff at the buzzer between Darlene and Schwartz kind of going after each other a bit, love to see it, but that would, uh, you know, cause the third period to start with a two minute four and four and kind of open up a bit of ice. Yeah, but that's what you want when you're on an absolute heater. And you know who's on a heater right now? Jordan Everly. Uh, Jordan Everly? Jordan Everly. Yeah, good guess. Jordan Everly. So he makes it just look smooth as all hell with a toe drag out front to get open. And he just pops another one top shelf there. He's like, I've done this for a living for the last 10 years. Get out of my way. Cracking with a 3-2 lead and an opportunity to get a freaking W again tonight. Yeah, and, you know, not before a bit of history is made. By who? Because Jordan Everly. Jordan Everly. Make it three for him in this game tonight. And history with the first ever hat trick in Kraken history. Huge, huge, huge goal. Love to see it. He had a nice fake clapper under the far pad of Tukarski. And like that, we had a 4-2 hockey game, and the hats were just flying after that goal, weren't they? It was raining caps. And, yeah, the crowd was absolutely juiced up for that one, too. But, you know, what a moment for Everly, too. Let's talk about – give me your thoughts on that. A guy like him, he's a veteran, scores the very first hat trick in Kraken history. That's a huge moment for a player like that. It definitely doesn't get overlooked. All right, so this might be a stupid question, but I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what hits harder for him? Scoring that hat trick, first hat trick in Seattle history, gets it at home. Look at that crowd when he's looking around. Or 5.4 seconds left against Russia in the World Juniors in the semifinals. Um, Okay, so hat trick goal, huge. Crowd's going wild you know, huge moment in history. But in my opinion, doesn't compare to that five 
what is it, 5.4 seconds left, ties the game, Russia semifinal 2009. Just doesn't, can't compare to that. That's that's a huge moment. And one of the biggest moments in Canadian World Junior history, you know, maybe a little Canadian bias on my side, but hard to top that moment is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I know. I just wanted to talk about it again. Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> yeah. No, he this guy is clutch, right? He's he's known for scoring in big moments like that. And uh he he shows up in the playoffs as well. We've seen that with uh with the Islanders too, uh in the last few recent years as well. So Jordan Eberly making things happen, and it's good to see him get hot here and him and Schwartz. And you know, speaking of Schwartz. Uh, a little bit more history was made before the end of this hockey game on a Jaden Schwartz empty netter because your boy Philip Grubauer picked up an assist Ooh. and became <laughs> became the first goalie in franchise history to record a point. So that's certainly a way to, or a great way uh, to end a big win for the Kraken after a stretch of some really good hockey that they've played, which they haven't really been rewarded for in the win column. So, first star of the game, who is it? Jordan Eberle. Yeah, obviously Jordan Eberle, but uh, not to be overlooked. Another guy who has been struggling as of late, but the last couple games he's, he's been turning it around a bit, and that's Jaden Schwartz. And, you know, he had a nice three-point game here. So, just how important is it for a guy like him to finally start to find his offensive game again? Well, it's something we talked about earlier in the season where they were kind of struggling, both him and Eberle. And we mentioned, like, those are guys you have to have get going if this team's going to have any sort of success. We talked about how you can't have McCann and Tanev being your leaders on the team in terms of offensive production. And if we look at it now, after this Buffalo game, Schwartz and Eberle lead the team in points with eight and seven. So that's certainly what everybody thought they were getting from them going into this season. And that's what like we said, they need if they're going to have a shot at playoffs this year. They have to be the top two guys producing. I mean, throwing Yanni Gordon there, throwing Jared McCann because he's got seven points in eight games so far. Um, you know, those guys are going to help lead offensively as well, but the two most important guys, Jane Schwartz and Jordan Everly. And I remember talking about it, you know, during preseason and predicting Jaden Schwartz to be around that 65-ish points. Um, and he had such a shitty start to the season. I was definitely questioning that. But if these guys can get hot again and find some chemistry again, like they kind of had in preseason, uh, and then, you know, somehow kind of lost it early on, maybe trying too hard or, you know, not keeping it simple enough, um. yeah, you you just need to get these guys going, right? It's important to get these guys uh, going here and hopefully they could uh, continue to pr produce offensively and, you know, create some highlight real goals like we've seen as of late. Would you say the team's going to follow their ebbs and flow? <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> I was cheesy as fuck, not going to lie. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> that's okay that's okay um seattle outshot buffalo 38 to 21 in this game. yeah suck at buffalo yeah suck at buffalo but again massively out shooting their opponent once again so they've had a good stretch of doing that and 
you know, let's keep the trend going tonight against Arizona. Give me your thoughts on uh, what you expect out of game uh, tonight. 5-2 Seattle win. That's what I expect. Okay. I expect them to kick Arizona's ass. I expect them to break this horrible power play streak that they've been on. Let me just read off some stats here. So to be disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're going to be when you hear this. So Seattle's power play the last six games. 0 for 4. 0 for 3. 0 for 4. 0 for 4. 0 for 4. 0 for 2. Combine that up 0 for 21 Mm. in their last six games. So that's got to change. And what better game to change that than tonight against a winless Arizona who are 0 9 and 1 on the season? They own they 0 10 and 1. Sorry. It might be 0 10 and 1. No, they're horrible right now. And not only that, they currently have the worst penalty kill in the league heading into this game with a 63.9 success rate. So, oh, it's going to be a battle of what's worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is it um is it the Seattle's power play that ranks 30th going into this one at 8.3% or is it Arizona's penalty kill? Um with some guys heating up on Seattle, you got to think this is the game where they break that. Um and they're able to find the back of the back of the twine on the power play, but yeah, it'll be an interesting game. You got a pretty bad Arizona team who, uh, you know, it feels like, you know, they're going through another rebuild process. What, what is that? Like their third in the last 12 years almost. <laughs> I mean, it's it's basically been one whole rebuild, but it feels like it's happened over and over and over. They had that one year where they went to the conference finals and played LA and they got their asses kicked by LA. And every other year, like, five years either way that's just been toilet water yeah yeah i think mike smith had a pretty incredible season that year if you were to look up his stats um i think that was 2012 right um where they went on the run other than that run like they did make playoffs either the year before or i don't think it was the year after uh, and lost to detroit in the first round but other than that man this team has been dog water (laughs) they've been bad and some of their picks you know they've had high picks in the draft but they're not hitting for this team like we take a look at some of these picks and i know some of these guys are still young but you probably would expect a little bit more out of a guy like barrett hayton um and then going even further back clayton keller like i was gonna say him yeah that's a guy who you know we've probably seen his best hockey out of his first couple seasons and it's almost like his offensive production has been dropping off slowly since then and kind of looks like a a young kid out there who has lost his confidence but at the same time he doesn't have much uh much offensively gifted guys to be playing with right now in in arizona smart on his agent to get paid like his potential though oh yeah he did cash in huge so you know kudos to the agent you know 
But that could be a guy who wants to get him a, a little bit closer to the end of that contract. That could be a buyout option. Who knows? Who knows where that situation is going to end up? Credit to them, though. Credit to Arizona because the one thing they have been doing good as of lately is making good trades and stockpiling their draft picks. This is the right way to go for a rebuild. You know, they traded off Ekman Larson. They traded off Kemper. Uh, they made other minor deals. And heading into this year's draft, they got three first-rounders and five second-round picks. So that should help big time. Um, and looking at, yeah, in the next three years, they have a total of nine second-round picks. So they're definitely stockpiling the shelves in the right way. Um, but yeah, Arizona's pretty much been in a rebuild for 10 years, it feels like, hasn't it? The never-ending rebuild. They actually yeah. tried to facilitate money as a third team for that big trade that went down in order to pick up I did a couple see extra that. picks. I did see that, yeah. And <clears throat> surprised that didn't happen because uh, um you know, after that that Eichel trade, we'll get into that soon. But uh, they still have to make some moves that Vegas team in order to um, fit under the cap financially when uh, when some of their big boys come off the IR. So they're still going to have to make some interesting moves there. Yeah, but yeah, I would say happens. you know Grubauer gets the start tonight. That's already been announced. So you know, don't yeah, sure they're o ten and one heading into this one, but you never take an NHL team lightly. So I hope they come out flying and come away with two points because if you want to be a playoff team, these are games that you cannot lose. Yeah, you certainly got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Mm -hmm. And Arizona is definitely one of those teams right now because they are hot garbage. But they will be facing a better team uh, and a divisional opponent on Tuesday night. Uh, that's uh, November 9th. And they'll be uh, in Vegas to take on the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas. Yeah. You know, they're obviously dealing with some big injuries with uh, Mark Stone and Patch Reddy being out. And now you could say Eichel too. add that to the list. Um, Alex Tuck was a guy who was injured but is traded and moved on. Uh, Peyton Krebs was getting some time with that team, but he's gone. He's not a part of it. But again, this is a good opportunity to try to get uh, some of these wins against Vegas while they have these guys out of the lineup. But again, it's it, sh it should be a good matchup against Vegas. What do you expect out of this game? Not a lot of shots from Vegas's end. They're a team which tries to shut it down lately with a lot of their injuries. Yeah, playing maybe a bit more of a defensive style. Letting their D be their big guns, which, I mean, now they are. Yeah, they did a really good job building building that back end and having a couple of those guys like Theodore uh, develop into basically an elite defenseman at this point. But, yeah, it's uh, nice to be able to have him or Petrangelo on the ice for most of the game. Yeah, that's certainly not going to hurt. But one of those games where, you know, we'll see what happens, but uh, it should be a fun, fun game to watch. Probably very high pace because Vegas plays with a high pace and the Kraken also play with a high pace. So it should be a nice fast game. 
Um, but they got to take advantage of Vegas with all these injuries out and try to make some ground on a team like that because Vegas, they're not even sitting in a playoff spot right now. They're they're struggling to keep their head above water with uh, with these injuries. So hopefully we get a win against them because Thursday night uh, you're looking at another divisional opponent against a team who is currently on a three-game win streak, the Anaheim Ducks. What's your thought on uh, that game and how you think that uh, matchup will play out? Well, that whole California State kind of worries me right now because just in the last week there, if you combine San Jose, L.A., and Anaheim in – 10 games, they've got one loss. That's They're impressive. Anaheim's 3 and 0, LA's 4 and 0, and San Jose's 2 and 1. So like that's something you don't really want to mess with. So Anaheim's going to make sure it's a hell of a game. Yeah, they have a few players on that team, a few young players and I guess some veteran too who have been putting up some big points as of lately. Um so Cam Fowler Kevin Shattenkirk, who is just tearing it up to start this season. He's like a point-per-game defenseman right now, like 11 games in. Uh, You know, you have Ryan Getzlaff, who has found his offensive game again after struggling with that last season. And And has become the all-time point leader for that franchise. Yep, just passed uh, the finished flash, uh, Timu Solani. So credit to him. You know, Getzlav's had a hell of a career, but it's some of these young guys on this Anaheim team who have been really stepping up as of late. Uh, One guy that's been huge lately is Troy Terry uh, on right wing. So give me your thoughts on a guy like Troy Terry. I'll always hate him for what he did to Canada in the World Juniors. (laughs) His shootout goals or goal? Was it goal or goals? It was the same goal on repeat like 18 times. Just walks in goes, yeah, I'm going five hole. <laughs> yeah. I think he yeah, told them he the night before and Carter Hart's like, fuck, I, he said he's going to go five hole. Is he going to go five hole? And holy <laughs> shit, he went five hole. Yeah, and that uh, eventually was the winner for them to uh, win the gold against Canada that year. So a bit of a heartbreaker, but any U.S. Player. listeners out there you know, you guys deserve that one. That was a hell of a game. One of the best games I think I've seen ever, all time. Put that I on. Still the hate game. shootouts in the medal round. Yeah, no, scrap that for sure. Like, and I don't think there should be three on three. I think just stick, just four on four. Continue. Shut your mouth. For for a medal game, I don't four know. Or who gives a shit? Do five three on five three or three on medal three. game. Ah, uh, four on know, four can like be thrown out. I I still like it in international, so I'm gonna stick with that. So, European. but I think they did switch it to to three on three anyway. So, you know, at the end of the day, you're the winner here. So, yeah, I'm yeah. straight. I am <laughs> a guy on Anaheim though, who's been struggling a bit. Um, Maxime come Maxime come toi, come toi. Yeah, come quad. He's like, wants to come quad. <laughs> a what? <laughs> a what? But uh, yeah, that was a guy who pretty much led this team offensively last year. Young power forward, up and coming, uh, great Canadian boy, uh, and he's pretty much, you know, he has not been looking good this year. Scratch for a game or two as well, and playing like fourth line minutes. So a little shocked to see that, but 
you know, I'm sure he'll still step his game up. And then, of course, we got to mention a guy, uh, two guys, Drysdale Drysdale and Trevor Zegras, two absolute young studs who are going to become the face of the franchise for Anaheim. So it'll be a fun game to watch because you get to see some of these young players in action and, you know, see how they do against uh, an expansion team like Seattle. So. Uh, Seattle will be back at home for this one. And then to end off the week, they'll be uh, getting their second matchup against Minnesota this season. Minnesota. Uh, so they take on Minnesota next Saturday. And give me your thoughts on that. Well, Minnesota's doing better this year than I kind of thought they would. But I guess when I made that prediction, I wasn't sure on the whole Kaprizov situation. And I didn't think Cam Talbot would be sick two years in a row but he's just telling me to shove it. Yeah, he certainly looks like he's found uh, a place, uh, you know, a consistent place to stay and, and develop. And Minnesota seems to be good at that. Uh, get a goalie who, you know, maybe bounced around a bit, lost his confidence in a couple places maybe, and then, you know, go there and <laughs> and uh consistently be good for a number of years like talking like a guy like dubnik right kind of the same situation there i just pictured minnesota being like a year used car lot commercial <laughs> except it's all goalies over the age of 30 <laughs> how old is talbot now he's around that 30 age. he's like 34 he's 34 well i thought he was i think so either that like or chell lied to me couldn't tell you. You could look it up right now, but yeah, just he's thirty-four. On this Minnesota son team. of a you bitch, we share a birthday. Hungry to, uh, you know, avenge their four-one loss they had earlier to the Kraken, and you could tell, you know, it's it's going to be an intense game. And Minnesota came out flying in that game too, and they're all over the Kraken. So expect the same. And I think uh, Zuccarello was a guy who wasn't in the lineup in that first game, but looks like he'll be back in the lineup for this one as you know, he should be back with Minnesota uh, tomorrow or early this week. So they're going to be hungry for some revenge and uh, yeah, six and three team and six, three and one team in Minnesota right now. So uh, they're going to be hungry. And yeah, like you said, they've actually been a really good team this year, picking up where they left off last season, which uh, like you said, weren't sure if that was going to happen or not. Okay, so Cam Talbot. Yeah, dude is 34. He shares my birthday, and he's from a place that's like 45 minutes down the road from me. How the fuck did I not know that? That is pretty neat, actually. And yeah, I I blanked on that one. I thought he was a bit younger, but he has been in the league for quite a while. He did get what was brought up through the Ranger system there. I remember when he, he was on a bit of a heater there, and... Uh, and then, of course, found his way to Edmonton and, a, you know, kind of all, all over Alberta there. And looks like he's found a home in Minnesota, hasn't he? He was added to the list of ever-flowing backup goalies to develop behind Hank that got shipped out somewhere else to become a starter. Yeah, and that list was quite long. Almost as long as the title of that list. Holy shit. <laughs> NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. 
new customers can bet just $5 on an NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So, NFL fans, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and you win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Krakens podcast. Here we go. We got some NHL news to talk about here, Durham. Uh, So a little segment here around the NHL. We're going to start off with talking about the Eichel trade. So big trade here. Give me your thoughts on this trade. Uh, he had to go to the same fucking division, didn't he? Yeah, that's going to be the worst thing. And before you give me your thoughts, actually, let me just read this, the details off, just so we're all aware of, of uh, everybody or everything that was traded. So hey, Vegas, yeah, yeah, they are people. So Vegas received Jack Eichel. Um, and a conditional third-round pick in 2023 uh, for Alex and and Buffalo acquires Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a 2022 conditional first-round pick, a 2023 conditional second-round pick. So those conditions, essentially, if the pick is top 10, Vegas will instead transfer their 2023 first-round pick to Buffalo and kind of the conditions if the first round pick in 22 is a top 10 pick then vegas will transfer their 2024 second round pick instead so essentially they're just sliding a year in that case right just pushing everything back yeah so yeah now give me your thoughts on this trade how the fuck do you trade jack eichel and not even get a like possible top 10 pick I do not know. That like I'm sorry, Tuck's good. You called Tuck being in that, by the way. Krebs is great yeah. forward piece, but that's some horse shit. I did call Tuck being part of that trade. Not a big deal. Not a big but, deal. Uh, not a big deal. And then I think Fire it was pump. obvious that trade wouldn't happen without uh, Peyton Krebs in it. Just, just I wondered about Brendan Brisson just because they watch Owen Power so much being part of their organization already that's true brendan brisson is uh one of the top point producers right now for that michigan team too uh currently and he's on a bit of a heater there as well so i mean that would have been uh, a pretty good prospect to pick up but i do think at the end of the day krebs is the better one and that's a guy who slid a bit in his draft year because you know he had some pretty nasty injuries that kept him out of a lot of that season and a lot of people had him pegged as a top 10 pick in that draft. And I think he slid to like 17th overall. Yeah. Uh, Vegas in that, in that, uh, that year. So, you know, that's a really good prospect, but 
is it going to fill any kind of gap left uh, in the lineup after trading a guy like Eichel? And like you said, not receiving a top 10 pick, not a chance, right? No, like they can become good players, but I don't think they've got a shot at becoming great players. Mm -hmm. And Eichel, if everything turns out well, and hopefully it does, I mean, you don't want the guy to be in pain for the rest of his life going forward. I just don't want him scoring on Seattle as much as I'm pretty sure he's going to now. Because when he's healthy, he's probably a top 15, top 10 center in the league. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like when he's at his best, he could, you know, what he's shown to be his best so far, he could push close to maybe that top five center. And that's him at his very best. But I'm not exactly sure we've seen his very best. And being on this top line in Vegas between two elite guys like Mark Stone and, and Max Pacioretty, you might end up seeing that best out of him. Or you or you, you probably will, I should say. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely going to see him get a better shot with better players as well, too. I mean, sure, you have a little bit of a shot with Hall, Skinner, but... We're talking about a different class here with Mark Stone and Pacioretty. Yeah, you definitely are. And I think that's one good thing about Eichel going there is, you know, he's not the captain anymore. He's not expected to be the leader, the guy, because I never really thought he was a, a great leader type of player. And that that's maybe just my opinion there. I'm going to throw it out, but... He gets to go there. He's obviously going to be a leader on that team, but he's not like, you know, he's not the, the captain. Leader. He's not the leader. He doesn't have that pressure. He's going to go there. He's going to have fun. He's going to put up a lot of points. And I would say probably expect him to be in the lineup around mid-March. That's probably around the time you would expect him to be playing. Get a month in before playoffs. Yeah, roughly that month in before playoffs. And that's if Vegas can find themselves in a playoff position. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah, I think they'll be all right. Mm -hmm. I think so. It just sucks that, yeah, like you said, he goes to our division. And I think the big thing with Vegas pulling off that deal is they got to look at a team like Edmonton uh, and say, how do we compete with those centermen? We don't have the depth, but now you we get the Eichel second best that. player in McDavid's draft. <laughs> yeah, arguably, arguably. Um, I would maybe put a couple other guys right up there with him from that draft, but I'm just going based on strict draft order. But oh, yeah, true. true. 2020 hindsight, it's definitely an argument. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but. You know, Vegas going to be a wagon for a while in this division, and Edmonton is too. So it's going to be tough uh, for a team like Seattle to be, you know, a number one, number two team in the division uh, for a little while until maybe some of their young guys uh, develop and you get a Beneers in the lineup a few years from now and, and he goes elite and, and, and whatnot. But anyways, well, that's just a, a waiting game. So moving on here, we got Adam Fox. Signed to a huge deal, seven years, $66.5 million for a 9.5 average annual value. Give me your thoughts on this signing. He's paying for dinner next time the Rangers go out. Uh, That's for sure. A few dinners, I think. Yeah, a few. What's that, nine That's, and a half? Uh, 
AAV. Yeah, nine and a half AAV. So kind of right up there with what McAvoy was given. I think just one year less. So yeah, I'd put him right up there with the top of the D in the league. I mean, he won the fucking Norris. Yeah, like I yeah, I was just gonna mention that. Won the Norris last season. His first year in the NHL was the year before that, so it was only his second year, and he was winning the Norris. First year, he had 42 points in 70 games. Then last season, he had 47 in 55 games. Now this year, in, in 10 games, he's got 11 points, so he's, he showed no signs of slowing down or, or you know, that season being a fluke in any way. Um, so great deal to get him locked up, but, yeah, these defensemen are – getting paid recently getting some some big dollars and you know getting huge dollars even though they haven't had to prove themselves in the playoffs or anything like that but i guess you know you're better off locking these guys up long term now because you know what who knows what the cap situation is going to be and what defensemen are going to be making four or five years from now right especially the exactly. elite ones. do you want to have to pay them dowdy or carlson money or would you rather <laughs> save the mill and a half two mil yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I like the deal for them. Um, it's probably going to cause uh, them to have to make some tough moves up front with some of those young guys when they come off entry levels. They're going to have to sign some guys to short-term deals, I think, especially after that Zabinijad contract. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch going forward. But all in all, great deal for Adam Fox. Well-deserving guy's a stud moving right along here though we got some awesome news we got brady kachuk being named captain of the senators the 10th ever captain in franchise history um gonna ask you yeah what's your thoughts on this what are you asking me for you super fan i am i'm a super fan but uh you know i'm gonna love it so that's why i'm asking you I like it. Brady Kachuk's, you know, kind of the heart and soul of that fucking team. Where he goes, they go, and he usually goes right to the shit. He's dragging everybody in there with him. No, it's funny you say that because I don't think I've ever seen a player uh, who consistently drags his team into the battle, game in and game out. And I knew halfway through last season, I was 100% confident this guy was going to be named the next captain of Ottawa. As good as, you know, Shabbat is and his leadership abilities, it, to me, it was no question and just a matter of time before they finally threw the C on his chest. And I think it's much deserving. Brady's a, a leader on and off the ice. Yeah, he certainly plays the game the hard way. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to find players who play the way he does, um, you know. So when they drafted him, I was absolutely pumped. I know a lot of a lot of Sens fans who are questioning that and saying, "What the heck? You're leaving Zadina on the board?" And, you know, a lot of them are looking back and thinking, "Thank God we didn't take Sedina." So, uh, Imagine hindsight if there. Kachuk went sixth to Detroit and he was there now. Oh my God, that team. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Imagine uh, you had to play against Kachuk and Moritz Sider <laughs> on the same team. You get past Kachuk forechecking you and you get into the other end and you're like, yeah, I get forechecked. And Moritz Sider's like, fuck you, you do. 
Well, I would argue, I mean, Mort Sider is going to be a heck of a defenseman and one of the best right-handed defensemen in the game because, you know, we all know that uh, there's a stockpile of left-handed defensemen, but it's very hard to find those elite right-handed D in the league. He's going to be one of them for sure. But yeah, I'm freaking absolutely pumped for Kachuk to get this stoked about it. Love the guy. Uh, If you ever get the chance to watch an Ottawa game, do it because Brady Kachuk is a heck of a player to watch and you'll know exactly what I mean by throwing his team into the battle every single night. So I think it's time to toss you into the deep end. All right. I got a question here for you, Durham. Which defenseman on the Seattle Kraken will finish the season with more points? Vince Dunn or Mark Giordano? Ooh, are we counting giveaways that the other team scores on? Because that's done by a mile. <laughs> we aren't counting those. Just oh, the points shit. This that is a they tough receive. One, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Giordano just because I think he's a more steady guy. And as the power play starts to click, I think you'll see his point production take a little bit of an uptick. And Dunn's been kind of inconsistent with his ice time. I still believe that that wasn't a real injury. I believe he got sat. And you saw that with he's had a game about 14 minutes and 15 minutes recently. And you look at Giordano's ice time, and he's a guy that they are steadily giving him at least 18 minutes a night. Gets as high as 25 once, 22 a couple games here and there. But he's obviously, especially being a captain, no duh, a guy they're going to lean on. And that's something that's going to be there all season long. So I think he's going to end up with more points there. Nice. I like it. I like it. Hot take. Well, not super hot, but... uh, It sizzles. It sizzles. It has some sizzle to it. All right. Question number two here. Predict the Kraken's longest win streak they will achieve this season. You make everybody want to hate me, but I don't know, like five? Five feels strong. Yeah, that that feels pretty good. That's an optimistic five. Optimistic five? That's okay, I'll take that. I think that's definitely achievable. Uh, At some point, this team, like I said earlier, Give the team 20 games to really learn the systems from the coach and then, you know, see what they're able to do at the midway point. You know, obviously 20 games is only quarterway point, but, you know, you get comfortable with each other. You know, what's this team going to do at the midway point? Uh, We could see some drastic changes, especially how they've been playing recently, out shooting all their opponents, being all over them. So I think, I think five wins in a row is definitely achievable and definitely, yeah, definitely attainable. So I like it. That's a pretty good number. You're not going too crazy off the board. I think that's right. Uh, right where the expectation should be. Thanks. Now in return, as a thank you for that, Tyler, I'm going to toss you into the deep end. I got one here for you. Just a singular question, because I think it's a tough one, and uh, people might hate you for your answer. (laughs) Okay. What is going to be the longer streak for Seattle this season? 
wins or losses. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, have they lost? Sorry, have they lost four in a row? Or is it three in a row? Uh, I think this team is on the verge of turning it around. So I will go with, I don't think they'll lose five in a row, but I think they can win five in a row. Yeah. Yeah. So optimism. optimism. It's an optimistic five game win streak. It, it is. Better not be hated for that. Jeez. No, I think uh, I I really like the way this team's been playing as of late. Um, another thing too, like Colin Blackwell still hasn't entered this lineup. That's another good depth guy who, you know, scored at a pretty good pace with the Rangers last season. And I wonder, you know, adding him to the lineup too, like how much he can help. Um, I wonder too about, you know, I don't, I don't think Seattle's going to be making much trades, but if they do make a trade, what are they going to do? I I will definitely just stick with, I think they will definitely win five before they lose five. And if that's the case, then yeah, winning five. Yeah, so, people will certainly like that answer. I freaking hope so. I hope so. So that's pretty much going to wrap up uh, today's episode. So thanks for joining Kraken fans and have yourselves an awesome week. And Durham, you too. You take care. We'll chat soon and uh, we'll get another pod going next weekend. So cheers, everybody, and take care.